On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps. Inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or your treadmill, climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, cure. Register at lls.org slash big climb. Welcome to a Dear Andy edition of the Andy Staples Show. This is the audio version of the mailbag column that I read every week, and you can read that column on Thursday, but right now, I'm bringing on Nicole Auerbach, and we're going to answer some questions because there's way too many to answer all in writing, and I'm probably better at talking than I am at writing anyway, so Nicole, we, we have some great questions. The third question is a doozy. Let's just leave it at that and, and let the listener guess at it. I will, I will literally say that I've never thought about the question that is being asked. No, no, have not, have not considered it, have never considered this possibility, would never dream of doing it. And that's why I'm so intrigued. Absolutely. Absolutely. Would never, would never even have popped into my head as something to possibly do for myself. Or any of my loved ones. None of my loved ones. <laughs> no, I don't know anyone who would. And that's why I love our readers because they do. At least one does. And it's amazing. But we have to start with a more serious topic. And it is the topic that everybody's talking about. This is a question from Mike. Andy, the Iowa Hawkeyes have a problem. I do not believe they're alone in having a problem. Can you address, quote unquote, the culture issue? And what he's talking about is these programs where... The culture within the program, the way the program is administrated, is not up to 2020 standards, I think is probably the best way to put it. Uh, for Iowa, we've learned a lot about the strength coach, Chris Doyle, who is currently suspended. Uh, there have been accusations lobbed at, at Brian Ferentz, their, their offensive line coach, their, that Kirk Ferentz, the head coach. And I think... At the very least, we'll see Chris Doyle, who is the highest-paid strength coach in America, not in a job anymore. But this is the question, and, and it's we can start with Iowa, Nicole, but Mike does make a good point. Is this going on elsewhere? Are there other programs where we're going to see the kind of reckoning we're seeing at Iowa right now? Well, it's been like two weeks since you know the nation has changed. And so far you've had head coaches have to address, you know, past comments at various places. You've had, um, you know, Utah, Iowa, you've had programs that are really looking at things internally with issues raised, you know, by current and former players. And I just think we're in this time where players have never had more power or more ability to speak out. You have social media, 
Um, you have, you know, again, we've, we've seen if they think their coach isn't telling the truth, they're going to, they're going to sweet about it. They're going to put it out there. uh, Marvin Wilson at Florida state. I actually have a story coming out later this week where I talked to Marvin yesterday and, and I'll be talking to Mike Norvell about it. And it's really interesting how all that went down. And then what the upshot of it is at Florida state. And I think, I think it's actually going to work as a positive for them. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not so much at Iowa. Utah is a, is a question mark. You've got Morgan Scally, their, their defensive coordinator, suspended right now. If you read Kiss, Chris Kimrani's great story on The Athletic, you see how complex some of these issues are because you, Chris talked to a ton of former Utes for that story, and you'd have guys saying, I love the guy. He'd give you the shirt off his back. He's wonderful, but he's kind of a racist. Like it, yeah. it's crazy, it, but that's so. That's what we're dealing with here. Yeah, and and I think that the question of culture can encompass so many different things. I mean, I feel like we had similar conversations after um, the death of Jordan McNair, right? We had conversations about the culture of you know what's a toxic culture, what's bullying, you know what what's too far, what line is too far, and that's kind of the same question we're having now, right? Like, what is what is crossing a line? And there are a lot of different ways that you can, um, you know, Kirk Ferentz, I was on his Zoom the other day. One of the lines he was saying was, you know, you can be demanding but not demeaning, right? So what does that line look like? And what does that line look like in terms of language, in terms of, you know, physical behavior in the case of Maryland? Um, And, you know, I I would hope that these are conversations and questions that are being raised at every single college program in the country right now. Um, And again, I do think it's important to remember that players – you know, are seeing that other players are speaking up and speaking out. And the dynamic is so hard in college because of the way it's set up with, 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 these, with these coaches that have so much power. There's no union. There's no avenue for players to speak up without being labeled a distraction or a problem. And so you don't often hear about things unless there's a tragedy like at Maryland or unless there's former players like in the Iowa case speaking out. And so that's part of the culture. Like it's the way the culture is set up. It's, it's hard to evaluate and change it from within as a player. So all of that, I think is also, you know, as we're putting the sport and these programs and these individual coaches under a microscope, I think we need to think about that too. And about, um, you know, when there are issues, how to raise them. If you're a player, you shouldn't feel like you can't. Well, and here's something I think has also changed in the last few months. It, we've seen a lot of this happen since the George Floyd and, and Breonna Taylor protests started, but I, I think the roots of it are also elsewhere. I think the roots of it are also in the pandemic because players are not stupid. They see how desperately these schools need a college football season to happen. They realize if they don't show up and they don't play – Everybody gets fired. So suddenly I think they have a much clearer idea of, of how the power dynamic works, and they have a lot more than they probably realized. Andy, they have dollar figures. No, oh yeah, I've seen those. Thank you, like Open they, Doors. Yeah, but, but that, but they also know how much they bring in for the athletic department. If you've never looked that up, those numbers are out there now because everyone's talking about if you don't have a college football season – you can't have your athletic department work. So all of this is converging at the same time while they have these platforms and we're listening. When a player like Marvin speaks up, we're listening. 
and it changes things. And so I, I think there's just never been a time where athletes have had more power and, and, and more leverage in any of these things. And like, to your point, it's all happening at the same time. Yeah. And, and the Iowa thing's very interesting because with the exception of one former player who, who was very outspoken against Kirk Ferentz, everybody else has, has basically backed Kirk Ferentz, but then not backed Chris Doyle. Yeah. It's been it's been fairly universal. Like if you've had to handicap that situation as we record this on Tuesday afternoon, I'd say Kirk Ferentz comes out of this okay, but Chris Doyle does not come back to active duty. Yes, I would I would agree with that. And I, the, honestly, the only reason it hasn't happened already is you know an internal investigation. You, you mentioned he is the highest paid strength coach. That is a salary you do not want to eat. Um, and you know, that's just how you should go. You should investigate these things. Um, but it was, it, it's very interesting. Obviously you mentioned Brian Ferentz is, you know, there, there's been some stories, you know, how, how safe is he? You've got to imagine very, um, and, and like you said about Kirk Ferentz, I mean, I think the Iowa fan reaction to all of this might be different too. If, if there were more of a case against Kirk Ferentz, right? Or something like that. Someone that you believe and you trust and, and you believe wants to fix things versus, um, you know, a strength coach that, yes, has been, you know, has built NFL players out of, you know, the three-star, four-star guys that, that Iowa recruits, but seems like something you're willing to part with in order to, to keep a program intact. Well, can, can I ask a question? Because we've read – the complaints by some of the former players and, and basically that, that it's not, it's just not as welcoming for black players as it is for white players. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because I wonder, could they have been better if they'd been more welcoming because these sort of things get around. We're hearing about it now from former players, but players talk, players talk to recruits, former players talk to recruits how many players do they miss out on because of the way they were operating? Well, and we already know in some of these guys transferred, right? Like, you, you know, so you, you have that and then you have the recruiting piece. And, and that's why I think, you know, if, if we want to be a little bit cynical about all of these issues regarding racism or comments that aren't, um, you know, that, that, that speak to the problems you know, the, the, again, systemic problems where, you know, you could have someone say like they personally don't think they're racist, but they're saying all sorts of things that, you know, you lay them all out. And, and obviously they're saying things that they shouldn't and they're making, you know, their black athletes feel incredibly uncomfortable and view these comments as racist. You know, I, I do think people are paying attention not just to how head coaches are talking about race in the wake of George Floyd's death, but how they're actually going to internally make changes, right? So those are things, if we want to be cynical, you've got to do it for recruiting purposes, right? Like to your point, right? You've got Absolutely. to make sure you're welcoming to talented black athletes. That's my question with Clemson, because I understand completely what Dabo Sweeney's rationale is in defending Danny Pierman, in keeping Danny Pierman. I, I read everything about that situation. You know, the player involved has, has said exactly what happened Everybody seems to be in agreement on the facts of the case. The, the thing that I would worry about if I was Dabo Sweeney is what happens when an assistant from another school that recruits against you goes, hey, mom, 
you sure you want your son? To, you know, because that, that coach, I know he didn't call the guy the N-word, but he used the N-word. And, you know, if you're going to use it, people who use it, use it, and people who don't use it, don't use it. So, And it, that's the sort of thing they're going to be up against now every single time. Right. And so in addition to people should be trying to do the right thing, they, they, you know, if you want to be motivated by this and about how it's going to be negatively recruiting against you, then be motivated by that, but make the right decision. And, and, you know, by keeping him on staff and, you know, trying to explain it as it wasn't directed at a player, what have you, that's fine. There'll be some people who accept that and are fine with that and they understand it. And there'll be people who say that's not enough and it's going to, you know, follow you. And we're going to have to see how that plays out. But again, there's, there's decisions that are being made right now that are either it's right or wrong, or it's also, you know, beneficial. Like there's an actual incentive to do the right thing. And, you know, again, Dabo's missed the mark on a couple of these, you know, public comments he's made about all of these situations. Um, and he feels defensive and their fans feel defensive. And I understand that. Um, and I understand those who, who accept his explanations and, and how he views things and what he said about Black Lives Matter. But I also think that, you know, and it's not just being cynical, but it's being rational, that people are not going to forget keeping him on staff. Well, it, that's the thing. We will find out if it had an effect or not. Like right now, Clemson is, is set up to bring in a really good recruiting class in the class of 2021. Now, most commitments have already been taken for that class. So I, I think probably you wouldn't really know until you, the 2022 cycle, unless you see some decommits in 2021. But that's, that's when you'll know. They'll, they'll find out pretty quickly if it's affecting them. And if it is affecting them, I bet they move fairly quickly too. But, but to, to your point about the, the culture – the way everybody talks to each other. What's interesting to me is whether this is about race or whether this is about a line you cross in terms of, of trying to motivate somebody, it's the same conversation, really. The solution's always the same. You can yell and scream and cuss all you want, but be, ba- be mad about the thing you're mad about and never make it about anything else, and you'll never have a problem. There are plenty of strength coaches, there are plenty of coaches who will cuss a blue streak but their players will never worry about them on these other issues because they don't make it about that. So it's not that complicated at, when you really boil it down. So that, that's the thing you, you got to figure out. If you're in this position and somebody comes to you and says, listen, the way you've been operating over the last few years, I don't think it's right. And here's examples A through Z of why. It's not too late for somebody to say, you know what? That's that's right. I, I did that wrong. I can change. I can be better. The, the thing I thought Mike Norvell did well, the Florida State coach, is he did make a false statement. Yep. He said, I went back and forth with every player about this stuff. Marvin Wilson called him out. You did not go back and forth with me. And him being the captain, that's, that's a telling thing. And you know what Mike Norvell said? You know what? He's right. I said that wrong. I worded that the wrong way, and I'm sorry. I should not have said that because this is not a time for imprecise words. I'm sorry goes a long way. Always yeah. has. Well, th- I think we've learned a couple things. That was a great example of I'm sorry I was wrong. 
and I'm going to listen. Drew Brees has been a, a good example of actually listening, right. And evolving your thinking and changing and, and, you know, just something that you felt five years ago, you don't have to feel now. And I get that a lot of the backlash to like the backlash to Dabo, right. That there's people saying it's this cancel culture and, you know, everyone's just out to get people and to pile on and, and there's online mobs and things. I, I really? think Dabo's actually been been smart about the way he's parsed out his comments because he's trying to see if these mobs die out. Yeah. Move and, on to something else. Right. But but to me, I think like just saying cancel culture or something misses the point that like people can be held accountable for their behavior. Yeah. And there are certain things that are not okay and or we're never okay. Or, you know, there was again, a power dynamic that you felt like you couldn't speak out before and it's coming up now, or it's like, there are circumstances and, and behavior that is worth talking about and highlighting. And people are learning about what they, you know, growing up, I felt it was okay to use this type of language or, or to sing along in a song or whatever. People are learning right now. And so the world is changing and it's okay to hold people accountable for things that they've said and done, even if you personally grew up a different way, or even if you're, you know, still learning. Well, and and the other piece of this is, if you're the highest paid person at whatever it is you're doing, you're going to be held to a pretty high standard, you know, and that's that's where Chris Doyle's sitting at right now, and you are going to have to answer for that sort of thing. And he now he's come out and said he doesn't believe he did anything wrong. That that you know he he hears the players, but. He doesn't feel like that's an accurate portrayal of him. We'll see what Iowa comes up with. I, I am very curious to see because, again, he, he's an important part of what they did. But getting back to our recruiting conversation, I think, and I also think this is sort of where DJ Durkin was sort of was left at Maryland, even though the report didn't find him liable for anything. There was some weird stuff in the report. And it was going to be awfully hard to go recruit after that. Yeah, and him still being in college football and having a job in the SEC is an entirely different conversation, but tied to the culture, right? We're talking about culture in college football and the fact that he was able to get second chances and to be in the position that he is after what happened at Maryland, um, you know, is an indictment on the culture of the sport and in the culture within coaches of of thinking there are a lot of coaches that don't think he did anything wrong. Right. Didn't cross the line. Um, right. despite everything that's in there. And you know, it's, these conversations are really hard because lines are different for different people. Um, and things that are microaggressions for some people or things that are, um, you know, that come across a certain way that you don't, again, you might not think you're a racist person, but you're saying a lot of things that are racist, right? But that's not how you define them. In your well, head, and, right? and, and, and it's funny because people think about these are football players and, oh, they're, they're, they're soft, new generation. It's different. It's yeah. different in that locker room. It's different in the weight room. There are people things you can say people, to... Yeah. People, people just treat people differently now. Yeah. There, like, there, there are things you can say... Yeah, and there there are things you can say to a high level football player to motivate him that you'd never say to anybody else, and they'll be totally cool with it. But there are certain lines you can't cross, and I think most people understand that. I'm not sure everybody does yet. And I think that you know, as someone who is reporting around the Maryland situation, like 
it was clear when you would talk to people who had worked there and left who experienced it, that there's a way that you can be on someone and, and, and push them again to Kirk Ferentz's quote, be demanding, but not demeaning and still be able to, you know, hug them afterwards and like have that relationship. And there's a way where you can never have that because you've lost that person's respect, trust and everything else. Well, and, and that's the thing. Look at how players are responding to Kirk Ferentz versus Chris Doyle. They respect Kirk Ferentz, clearly, because you're not seeing that same response. All right, let, let's move to the second question, because this, this one's interesting, too, and it, and it ties into a story that you and I worked together on last week. Uh, this is from Zach. He said, hi, Andy, I commented this on Max Olson's article about Tyler Sumter's transfer portal experience, but wanted to see your opinion. Do you see a future where creative programs are able to leverage a player's ability to profit off their image and likeness as a way to skirt around scholarship limits? For instance, let's say an SEC school that typically over-recruits and only gets down to 85 scholarships through attrition wants to still aggressively pursue the top five players in the transfer portal each year. Would, you, would they be able to say, we don't have a scholarship for you, but we'll be able to set you up with a sponsorship and marketing deals from local establishments, local establishments that will pay you $35,000? And, okay, so... For, for those who don't know, Tyler Sumter was Troy's punter and punted for Neil Brown uh, and now is walking on at West Virginia as a grad transfer to, again, play for Neil Brown. He's walking on at West Virginia not because he just really wanted to follow Neil Brown. It's because nobody was giving him a scholarship, and he's been pretty good, but there are only limited spots out there. So, so Nicole, you and I did a story about Congress and uh, the schools trying to, to get their name, image, and likeness federal bill passed in Congress because they need to be saved because they don't want to have 50 different state laws. Do you think schools would be able to use this to get around the scholarship limits? So here's, here's just spitballing. First question. Can, how different is this for someone saying you have to be a walk on for one year and you can give you a scholarship next year, right? Like a promise. It's, it's not different because you can't really put it in writing either way. Right. So, okay. So one thing I'm thinking is that you already have situations that are similar, right? And we're talking about a significant financial impact of a scholarship, right? So if you're saying, well, you have to walk on, but we're going to be able to account for X amount of dollars. One thing, and Andy, we've talked about this so much about, you know, why you have people like Bubba Cunningham and Kevin White that are all worked up about name, image, and likeness is they're terrified that it's going to impact recruiting this way, with the, which would be the same. Which is players. weird because they will, it will help them get great basketball players over and over and over again. Right. They're still going to, again, the, the, the rich are going to get richer. Like those are both basketball programs that are going to be fine, but it's the, it's the same fear, right? It's the same concept in, in transfers and this enticement and this inducements and just what are people going to do to try to get people to come to campus? Um, instead of, again, you know, understanding that, like, if there's a market for someone, there's a market for someone, which I do think there are a lot of administrators in college that understand that and are just like, okay, like, you know, all this money is flowing around these athletes, but yeah. it's not flowing to them. It's okay. Um, so I, so to me, Andy, I mean, do you, I, I could see someone trying what this question well, is proposing. Here's my, here's my thing. Cause I, I, I was arguing with my pal Auburn Elvis on, on Twitter about this before we started recording. And he's convinced that the Alabamas and Ohio States and the Clemsons 
will take the 25 great players they always take, and then they will take a bunch of quote-unquote walk-ons that will get enough endorsements to cover their tuition, room, and board. There is not that, that much money. That is far too complicated. <laughs> exactly. And here's the other thing. And this is this was always my argument when the NCAA people would, would say, well, a scholarship is good. And my argument was always, a scholarship is good. A scholarship and a ham sandwich is better. A scholarship... And 50 bucks is better than that. A scholarship and 10,000 bucks is better than that. So here's, here's the, the question. If you are signee 26 or 27, which means you're not getting a scholarship at Alabama, are you going to take the promise, quote unquote, that may never come through of endorsements that will cover your tuition room and board or a scholarship that guarantees your tuition room and board plus the ability to get endorsements as like the fifth guy in Tennessee's signing class. Right. And, and, and again, think about how much money there is. Like, even if, you know, you have these big donors, this is what schools are worried about, right? They're worried about like people not donating to the athletic department. They're going to go to players directly and have them sponsor things. You're talking about the 26th best player in a recruiting class, plus four classes of athletes already at that school. Right. Where on earth is there that much money? Exactly. That's what I was trying to explain to to my pal Auburn Elvis. Alabama's starters, there will be guys in the starting 22 who don't make tuition, room, and board in endorsements. So guess what? A guy who wouldn't make your signing class isn't going to rate that from whoever's paying that. And, And again, it's funny, you and I just bypassed the whole discussion of the NCAA wants to set up these guardrails that would stop this from happening. They will oh, not yeah. be able to stop right. this. <laughs> so. Good point. Good point. We just we did, we did skip over that because it's how are you going to stop someone from enforcing you know the guardrails yeah, it, there? But it it's just it it doesn't make sense. Everybody wants to come up with these Rube Goldberg contraption ideas. The simplest thing is what's going to happen. What's going to happen is if there's a really good quarterback and SMU wants a really good quarterback. And he can't get the scholarship he wants to Oklahoma, or Oklahoma's already got their guy for this year, and Texas has already got their guy for this year, and AM's already got their guy for this year. And SMU says, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna have you advertise for Campisi's Italian restaurant, which is where they used to all meet to to set the salary cap in the in the Southwest Conference. We're gonna have you advertise for that for a hundred thousand dollars a year. The guy signed with SMU. <laughs> He's not gonna walk on in Oklahoma. Yeah. And, and again, all of these crazy scenarios, which first of all, I appreciate the creativity to come up with these ideas that this is what's going to happen. But if it, if it, if someone wants to try it, they're going to try it one time and it's not going to work. Like you want to try to guys going to transfer in a year. Yeah. Yeah. But you want to try to pay, you know, people, you know, do sponsorships, you know, contribute money to the 25 guys, Alabama signs and a bunch of other ones. Be my guest. Try it. Do you really have that much money to do it? That's fine. Okay, try it one time. Or, you know, again, we, we talk about guardrails in terms of like, oh, people are going to help determine what the market value is, right? Like you can't like ask somebody to sign three things and give them $100,000. Let somebody try it. There, if, if it happens one time, it's not going to become the norm. So like I'm fine with them trying it one time and it just blowing up in someone's face. And while you're just throwing money around, just send some to us. 
please. Yeah, we'll take. That's, that's a- I will endorse. You want to? You again? I'll sign something three times. Give me a lot of money. It's fine. It's the same thing. Out- outstanding. All right, we we have to get to our best question. This might be my favorite mailbag question I have ever received, and it's it's from Daniel. Some people think I'm nuts. This is how it starts. But I have a favorite team in every conference. Since I attended a college without a football program and I live in an area without an FBS or even FCS program nearby, Alaska, I'm guessing? I I need uh, to know where he lives. There isn't one obvious team to live and die with, so I have multiple favorites. Is this crazy or reasonable behavior? But here's where it gets interesting. Because, like, at first I'm reading this, I'm like, oh, Daniel's a front runner. No, no. Here's what he says. P.S. Long ago, I mostly picked favorites that have good seasons, but rarely great ones. And his examples are Texas A&M, Oklahoma State, Arizona State, Michigan, Pittsburgh, and Navy. Again, as he says, so it's not like I'm being a frontrunner. So you picked the most random of random teams to root for. It's like you want to be kicked in the stomach over and over again, because these are teams that break your heart. I have no idea how someone gets to the point where they pick a favorite team in every conference. Like, I thought the craziest fandom thing of, like, rooting for things that don't make sense was my father, who likes when the Yankees and the Mets are good. Like That, that is he, all a little odd. It, it is, but it's not as weird as this. Like, this well, is... That's a lot of it's a lot of favorites in the same sport. Like I understand people who have different favorite teams that don't really make geographic sense. Like, you know, you grew up in Dallas, but you're like a Detroit Tigers fan, like whatever. But this does they're all in the same sport. And now, thanks to conference realignment, you have teams that are in the same conference. That's exactly right. Well, so my my mom had a favorite team. She she had two degrees from Alabama, so Alabama's her favorite team. She had a weeknight team too. Toledo was her weeknight team. Because That's she liked fine. the rocket on the helmet. That's but, fine. But but this is different. This is this is picking a team in every Power Five league. But yes, it's not like he's picking Alabama, Oklahoma, you know, Oregon, it, Ohio State, and and Clemson. That's not what he's doing. Wait, I need I need to go to a sports bar with Daniel on a Saturday and ha- and watch him ask the host for the games to put on the TV. Right, because we don't know where he lives, but. Let's say he's on the East Coast. He's going to struggle to get that Arizona State game on unless they're playing somebody big. I'm just looking at this list of teams again. I also need to know, like, what year he picked these favorites. Because he said that they've been pretty good, right? Like, so when were they – were they all pretty good in the same, like, one-year span? Well, okay, so hold on. I need to look up Pitt's record in 2011-ish, 12-ish. No, that's, that's not when you would become a Michigan fan. They, they were good that first year, year Brady 20, Hoke. Right, 2012, but still. Yeah. But that was, it was 2011 is when they went to the Sugar Bowl, right? Yeah, 2012. Uh, yeah, because, yeah, oh, sorry, 2011 into 2012, yes. Yes, and so 20, and then 2012 would have been A&M's first year in the SEC. No, but, but these, you wouldn't pick two teams in the same conference. This has got to be like childhood. Because but why were, does he have A&M and Oklahoma State? Because they were in the same oh, conference, wait, sorry, but they're not you're right. now. You're right. Okay, I have it backwards in my mind. Okay, so maybe, maybe it was 
around the time. Maybe Johnny Manziel could be. Yeah. Maybe. Michigan, Michigan's a- coming off a sugar bowl. Okay, Johnny Manziel kid. wins the Heisman. I don't know if Pitt, Oklahoma State in 2011 was great. Wins the Big 12. You know, doesn't make the the BCS title game, and that sort of inspires the playoff. Arizona State. You know, hmm. Pitt was six and seven, but they were eight and five year before. But that's his ACC team, and Pitt wasn't in the ACC then. Hmm. Good point. Now does it now here's another question. Do oh, these do these schools Navy, change? Do they rotate? Did did Navy count as is Navy counting as a conference team? Because that's also that also gives us a time frame. Right, because they were relatively new development mm. as a conference team. Honestly, I, you'd I, be better off if you just rooted for every single team in the ACC Coastal. That would make more sense than this collection of teams. Well well that would because the you know, all seven have won the league the past seven years. Exactly, it's just and fair. eventually we're going to get the coastaling when they all go four and four someday. But yeah, that just that's fair. That makes sense true, for all of those teams. This is just confusing. I, I need to know that the, need, the teams need, rotate, and I need to know where he lives. I have just we need to, we need some follow ups here. But to answer his overall question of is this crazy or reasonable behavior, I think we know. I don't have the DSM five in front of me, but I'm I'm pretty sure it's it's a I, little out there. I think it's going to be its own new disease. <laughs> Just what do we call it, <laughs> Dan- Daniel syndrome? I you know I I would come up with one name, but there's it would just pull me into too many different directions. Well, I can't that, just pick one. Yeah, I, it's it's like it's like fan schizophrenia. Is it is it like a Sybil thing where one moment he is the hardest core Texas A and M fan who knows all the yells, and then in in just one second later he's a Michigan fan who's lecturing people on on what lectures they took in their freshman year? Okay, well, first of all, that is an accurate representation of Michigan, so good job. Second of all, again, I just need to know what a Saturday looks like with this collection of teams. Like, how are we channel surfing? Painful. How are we watching? Like. How are we watching everything? Do we have the Pac-12 network? Where again? Where do we live? Like, I, so many questions. So, again, so many. no, no. With the exception of Navy, these teams will break your heart over and over again. Yeah, there's not even the one saving grace here. Yeah, like the the most common, like the common denominator among these Power Five teams over the last decade is pain. Or high expectations that they do not meet. Right. And just, but gut ripping stuff. Yes. You know, whether it's A&M in, in 2011 gagging away the leads or, or starting 6-0 and and then just going downhill. Or you know, I'm thinking Michigan, Michigan State in 2015. Yep. Like, yep. Just that, well, well, that ha- stuff. Navy snapped its streak and lost to Army three times That's in a row. That's true. Like, it's also been even a rough stretch for Navy. In an unnavy-like way, so I I'd, I suggest Daniel, if you're going to do this, be a front runner in one league. Just take Ohio State. Like Ohio State's never bad, and just decide Ohio State's my Big Ten team, and that way, you're, at least you're engaged through the whole season. Yeah, you got to You got to get a like a team that can has made the playoff, will likely make it. Like someone to just help you. I mean, obviously, you're going to get through bowl season with a lot of these teams. But that end of the season, like, 
you know, you got to be engaged. But maybe, again, maybe you just like the off-season hype, which is fine. You know, we Especially we talk like about Oklahoma like, State. Like, Bedlam is always a heartbreaker for Oklahoma State. Yeah. Except that one. These are, these are some teams that are on the rough end of some, some rivalries right now with Michigan on that streak, Mike Gundy versus Oklahoma. Like, these are some teams that are really, you know, again, the, these very painful rivalry games every single season. It's, you know, I, I would say if you're going to do this, you know, yes, pick a front runner, but, I mean, B, just have a lot of whiskey available because this is not a good recipe for, for sanity. So I think if we're going to term this something, if we're going to create a, a medical term for it, I, I believe it would be masochistic schizophrenia fandom. All right. I, I accept that. I will submit right. that to the um, the journal or the guide. Or whatever. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> peer reviewed. That's Just make sure it's peer reviewed. All right. Speaking of peer reviewed, we're going to be reviewed by our peers for this. Did you know that 75% of us are walking around everyday life chronically dehydrated? We're suffering needlessly from frequent headaches, energy slumps, and poor focus. It doesn't have to be this way. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc all help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There are no synthetic colors and no artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com and enter the promo code STAPLES at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code STAPLES for 25% off your first order. Drinkhydrant.com, enter promo code STAPLES. Every time we do a Dear Andy podcast, we have to have a random ranking. You are the guest, Nicole. So what are we ranking today? We are ranking ice cream flavors, like general ice cream flavors, not spe- right. not so necessarily specific brands. Not not chubby hubby from Ben & Jerry. I, I actually did a Ben & Jerry's ranking not long ago in the in the written column. So this is good because this is a this is a better overall discussion. And so I will start. We go from five to one. Number five for me is not one you find everywhere, but you find it in enough places. And if I find it, I will always get it. And that is cinnamon ice cream. Okay. Cinnamon ice cream is magnificent. That is it goes an unusual, really well with brownies. Unusual choice, but I will accept it. And if you if you happen to have some milk and some fireball, ooh. that actually sounds delicious. So like a fireball float, kind exactly. of exactly. Okay, all right, it's, it's warming up on me. That's what the cinnamon is for. All right, what what is what is your number five? Okay, so I um, decided to wing this, um, and I honestly might need to work top down if, if you don't mind. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. Okay. You, you go from your number one. I will bash okay. your number one. Okay. So, um, so this is, this is hard for me because there's one flavor that I grew up on that still feels like a treat when I have it, but there's also just what generally became, especially when I lived in on the upper West side of New York, I had a gelato place near me. So I'm also thinking of the gelato version of this, which is even better. Ooh. Is okay. just like the stracciatelli, the their, their chocolate chip. 
a gelato. Like that listen, is the best. chip is fantastic. That's my number one, but that wasn't my go-to as a child. Like that is just a classic. Again, the gelato version is just smooth, creamy. It's just perfect. It's never, ever going to disappoint you. So that's my number one. Okay. I, I'm, I'm, I can live with that. I, all right. So I'm moving bottom to top. You're going top to bottom. We will meet in the middle. Number four for me is vanilla. Now, vanilla is plain. I will not pick it if I'm just eating ice cream, but it is so versatile. You can use it to make your milkshakes, a la mode. I once got in an argument with another sports writer who shall remain nameless, who didn't understand why I was getting key lime pie a la mode. He said, key lime pie doesn't go with vanilla. Everything Everything goes with vanilla. Everything goes with vanilla. I am with you totally. I think to me, there's a huge difference between vanilla ice cream and chocolate ice cream. Never have liked plain chocolate ice cream. Love chocolate. Love chocolate desserts. Love like chocolate candy bars. Love chocolate. Do not like chocolate ice cream. It's to me, it's the opposite. It just doesn't go with everything. I might lump you in there with Daniel for this. Oh, come on. I would say vanilla is in my top five. We'll we'll see where as, as I go about this, we'll figure out where it is, but it goes with everything. And I will have it plain occasionally. Like, I just think it's it's just solid. Like, it's yes, it's bland. It's not going to be the most exciting thing you have, but it mixes great with everything. And if you just want something refreshing, it'll do that for you on its own. You know what they always say in the NFL is the best ability? Availability. And that's where vanilla winds up. There you go. Okay. All right. My so number, number th- two. Oh, go ahead. You're number two. Yes. Yeah. My number two is, is what I was referring to earlier. Tastes like a treat. You know, it's kind of like... When I was a kid, we weren't allowed to have certain cereals because they weren't healthy, right? So like then when I got to college, I was like, I'm just going to buy Lucky Charms and just like have it as a snack. I'm going to eat I Cinnamon would- Toast Crunch three meals a day. Yeah, because like I wasn't allowed to, right? I might so have done that, So now like I had to get like, like cookies and cream was like a special occasion ice cream growing up. Now I'm an adult. I can get whatever kind of ice cream I want. But you know what? Some days I just need cookies and cream. Like it just makes me feel better. It feels like a treat, like something I'm not always allowed to have. So that's my number two. So my number three is cookies and cream. All right. So I think what we've decided, if if you've read Chuck Klosterman's great essay on the most accurately rated bands of all time, we've just discovered that cookies and cream is the Van Halen of ice cream. (laughs) It is the most accurately rated ice cream. It's good. It's not the best, but it's always good. Yes, we met in the middle on cookies and cream. Right. Not not the Diamond Rio version of meeting in the middle. I start walking your way. Sorry, you, you were you were not born yet when that song came out, or maybe in elementary school. I don't know. All right, so number three, cookies and cream for me. I will go to my number two, and this is where we will we will vehemently disagree. Chocolate. No. You give no. me the choice. If there's chocolate or vanilla or swirl, I want chocolate. My daughter and I are in agreement on this. We we go down to the. The deli in the front of our neighborhood, they have a soft serve machine. My son gets the swirl. My daughter and I were like, no, no, no. Don't bother with that vanilla. Chocolate, baby. No, no. And I don't even like swirl because it's too much chocolate ice cream. So that is Where do you stand on Neapolitan? See, for me, Neapolitan is I eat all the chocolate and there's a bunch of vanilla and strawberry left over. Well, uh, my third favorite flavor. Oh, boy. Is strawberry. It is not too sweet, 
but there's a nice flavor there. Like if it tastes like a treat. And when I would get Neapolitan as a child, I would start with strawberry, then go to so vanilla the- and I would leave the chocolate in the container for somebody else. You are the rare psychopath who leaves the chocolate yes. in a carton of Neapolitan. Wow. Yes. That is I will say one 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 chocolate take that I will stand by is chocolate soft serve is better than like frozen. Oh no, no, no. Oh, out of a no, carton no. chocolate. No, like so Briar's chocolate. chocolate. Pla- plain no, Briar's no, chocolate no. is one of to- the greatest things on God's green earth. No, it's not. If someone made me eat chocolate ice cream, it would be like a swirl, like a like a like a twist in a soft serve machine. All right. I don't know how I feel about that. Okay, so that was well, let me get let me give another let, one. So let's, number Yeah, let's go to n- your number 4. We got to we got to put yours in order too, yeah. Yeah, we do. Um number 4, I'm going to go black cherry. Ooh, that is a that is a bold choice right there. I do, I really like that that one of the that's one I have to be in the mood for, but it is very yes. good. Yes. Yes, I agree. It's that's just like the, you know, again, you have to be in the mood for me, I need to be in the right mood for that and also like cookies and cream right because like that to me is like a reward or like for a tough day whereas like the cherry you just need to be in the mood for that flavor but i grew up really liking fresh cherries like i like that yeah that's one of my favorite fruits yeah i'm a cherry person love cherry pie right so like it makes sense that that was a staple in our household because we had some cherry fans so what would your number five be number five is vanilla okay that's all right so we we would go Number one would be the stracciatella, the chocolate yes. chip, and number two would be cookies and cream. Cookies and cream. Number three would be strawberry. Strawberry. Number four would be Chip. black cherry. Chip. Black cherry. Number five would be vanilla. All right. So mine, I have cinnamon at five, vanilla at four, cookies and cream at three, chocolate at two. Number one, it's a seasonal one, but it shouldn't be. You should be able to buy this all year round because there's a version of it where they put chocolate chips in it. And that's available all year round, except it's another color for some reason. Peppermint ice cream. Peppermint ice cream is number one for me. I would eat it every time year round. And I know what you're saying, Andy, that's just vanilla with mint in it. I know, but it's awesome. But but what about just regular like mint chocolate chip? That's year like round. That's available. But I, I, I don't always want the chocolate chips. Sometimes I want the peppermint pieces. I like mint chocolate chip a lot. That is delicious. I do too. Refreshing. I do too. But How could you, you know, not want the chocolate chips? Ever. Because some, sometimes I don't feel like it. Sometimes I just want the mint. Sometimes I want to feel like I just brushed my teeth, but instead I coated them in sugar. Okay. Well, here's the question. So what you're saying this is only available, as someone who's never purchased this, you're saying this is only available in the holiday season, I'm guessing. That's exactly right. About Thanksgiving's when it shows up and then it's okay, gone so after Are you telling me that you have no extra freezer space to stock up on this for the rest but of the year? But that defeats the purpose. That takes the fun out of it. I want to mm-hmm. be able to go to the store and it's there. I couldn't go to the store today and get it because it's June. I would get like melon sherbet. That would be there, but peppermint would not. Okay, I understand. I understand, but I also think that like okay, here's a good example. Seasonal beers, right? So, at Michigan, this is where I discovered Bells, right? And Oberon. Oh yeah. So, absolutely. There are like there would be celebrations and special like Oberon Day, the first day that bars would have it. 
but there were a lot of people that would stockpile for the rest of the year. Not necessarily, it may not last them the whole time, but they would get cartons and cases and stock up. And it was still very special because it felt like it wasn't allowed. So I'm thinking that if you got some extra peppermint and then just had it in like February, you'd feel even better. It'd be like that time I had a Chick-fil-A sandwich that I got from the, the big tub of Chick-fil-A sandwiches at the Chick-fil-A kickoff game that started on at 8 p.m. on a Saturday night, and I put it in my backpack, and then yes. I ate it at 12.01 a.m. on Sunday. Yeah. Did it not taste better than a regular sandwich? Going to hell has never tasted so good. Okay. So that's my point. I think you should at least one carton. Just just test out this theory next year, this, okay. this year, I, whatever, I, I, whatever, whatever I day in. it is. I am in for that. Yes. Well, one thing COVID-19 did is it did encourage us to buy a freezer for uh, a refrigerator for the garage. There you go. So space. that's right. So I do have a place to put the peppermint ice cream because there it would not have been, there just wouldn't have been space for it before, but there is now. So I, I agree with you. I would also like to jump in and say, when Andy told me that this was a seasonal choice, I was worried that it was some sort of like pumpkin spice latte flavored ice cream. I was going to lose a lot of respect for you if that's what, what the case was. But I, I respect I respect the peppermint choice. I don't go PSL for anything except Swamphead Brewery in Gainesville, Florida. Okay. Made a PSL beer during pumpkin beer season this year, mm-hmm. and it was spectacular. Okay. I, res- I, I respect you again. <laughs> Thank you. I, I'm glad I haven't lost your respect yet, Nicole. There, d- give it time. Give it time. We, we've, we've come close many times, but... Not quite. This was the closest yet. <laughs> Nicole Auerbach, thank you so much. We have diagnosed fans. We have talked serious issues, and we have settled the ice cream debate, and that's all that really matters. Anytime. Thanks so much for joining us. we got a lot to talk about over these next few weeks. You've got teams back on campus in the weight room. You've got schools figuring out how to handle these various situations that we talked about at length at the beginning of this show and we may have some answers on some of those situations as well we've also got the NCAA and the schools trying to nail down a calendar for the actual return of football practice and you know it it looks more and more like the season is going to start on time we'll see what happens as far as will fans be allowed there's still a lot to be decided but it feels like there's going to be a lot of news in rapid succession here over the next few weeks And we will be here to talk about all of it on The Andy Staples Show. Talk to you Friday.